0: This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen.
1: All right, you're opening your Bibles to Daniel chapter 11. Okay, Good. Good. No? Some of you are looking at me like, what's he doing with these couples? <laughs> Open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 11 or I'm going to ask you to come help me, okay? No, I'm just playing. Uh, uh, anybody got Daniel chapter 11 underlined? Anybody have anything in Daniel chapter 11 underlined in your Bible? One, two, three, five people out of three services. Five people. Daniel chapter 11 is probably not the best chapter to... Find those American nuggets that we like to find of encouragement. But there's some truth here that we need to learn. And it causes us to have a really good illustration here. I want you guys to kind of stare each other down from those distances, okay? All right. There, I picked the perfect one on that side. All right. So what we have here is I'll say something like, I'll make a, I don't know, a Gun smoke reference. Do you even know what that is? <laughs> they don't even know what it is, right? And she, Well, she might have watched it. Yeah, oh, your dad watched it. Okay. All right. Well, so they don't even have a clue. All right. Different generation than us. Your one-year... I know you're much, much younger, but you're one year different than (laughs) than Christina's age. All right, you're there. Same year, actually. Same year. Yes. Christine's like, don't make me a year older. (laughs) All right. Same year. Uh, Year for me. So what we have here is two different generations who have been trained differently to look at things. They've had different influences, both socially, I mean, One had the Brady Bunch. One had the Simpsons. Are are you with me? Some of you think Brady Bunch, we're even more conservative than that. We had Leave It to Beaver. Come on now, right? Yeah, I get that. But different eras. Oh, that is, thank you, Lord. Different errors that create different errors. Right. And we're going to figure that out. And so here's the problem. When this generation sees what's happening in our world in a different way than this generation sees it. And so where do you settle in? Just where it's comfortable with you? <laughs> These Or do you try to resist who you are and come over here and, but, can I borrow your hat for a minute? Yeah, thanks. So, (laughs) so, and I'm trying to fit in with this generation and I'm over there going, well, they're wrong. It's really in how you wear a hat. Some generations where I'm like, you know, I'm from the 80s. You wore it like this. Didn't even do anything for you. Just was cool. Because you had to have your mullet, which is back, coming out the back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the problem. I don't know which side I agree with on every issue. Because there's some stuff that they're figuring out, like racism, that we were raised a little different. I mean, there's some things like some core family issues that are healthier than what's being done today. And so we're always trying to figure out what, who should we align with. And to make it worse, there's all of these talk radio people pointing fingers at each other, all of these ads trying to make me hate one side or the other because they're raised in a different environment, a different generation. Now, I've come to tell you that Daniel chapter 11 is very, very rarely underlined. But it's going to help us figure out what we need to do when there's a divide between one generation to another. It's going to help us find a healthy place. And really will show us, it really doesn't matter how you wear your hat. What matters is who you're standing with. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, guys. Father, I I thank you for today. I thank you for your presence, and I thank you for your spirit. God, I don't know everything you're going to teach us through this, but I do know this, that you brought us here for a reason. And it's not to point fingers at each other, but it's to lift our hands and surrender to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give these guys a hand. Thank you for your help. So for the last few weeks, we've been studying Daniel. And Daniel chapter 11 is probably the, the scripture, the passage that most pastors who preach on Daniel just totally avoid. I had to actually do a tremendous amount of research, looked at some other sermons, different things, even trying to figure out all of Daniel. And, and I have, you know, a massive amount of education in this, in the Word. And I had to really study this week to figure all of this Daniel chapter 11 out. But you see where we've been so that if maybe this is your first Sunday, you'll understand that we've been talking about starting in Daniel chapter seven, there was all this craziness going on in the world. And with all the craziness going on in the world, Daniel's trying to figure out where to stand, and he's trying to show people where to stand. And then, watch this—he goes from there to last week to chapter uh, ten. And in chapter ten, he's eighty-five years old now, and he says, "He says I'm so upset with what's happening in the world around me." He said, "I'm not eating right. I'm not sleeping right, and I haven't even bathed for three weeks." And that's not healthy. It's not good. It's not God's plan, and it's not God's intention for our lives, for us to end up at such a place that we're so stressed out that we don't know how to process what's going on around us. And so what we have is these these different perspectives, and so that you'll understand what I'm trying to talk to you about, our perspective is a particular attitude toward or a way of regarding something, a point of view. And so we have two different perspectives brought up from different errors, and both of them in error. And how are we going to find the right place? Well, where did Daniel find his place last week is when he got an image of Jesus in the middle of his storm. I don't care what's happening in your life, no matter where it is, you need to be looking for Jesus. You see, we have to learn to look for Jesus in our circumstances. And when we learn to look for Jesus in our circumstances, then things begin to shift things began to change because it was when he found Jesus that everything in his life began to take a better turn. But when we come to Daniel chapter 11, he's, he's still talking with the angel that showed up in chapter 10, and Gabriel is giving him this revelation. And, is, and in this revelation, here's what we find in Daniel chapter 11. A long view of history... A high view of God and God's master plan. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say very closely. A deep understanding of this fact. Now, we're in a world that's making up facts like crazy. It's putting a spin on things. But this is the fact of God's word. Are you ready for it? He says to him, it will get worse before it gets better, but it will get better. Let me say that again. It will get worse before it gets better, but it will get better. I don't know what prophecy you've been listening to, and it's become a popular teaching of today, but saying that we're going to get to this place, and the whole world's going to be wonderful, and everything's going to be great, and, and all this wonderful stuff, and there's going to be you know cotton candy clouds floating from the sea. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Not Not God's Word. God's Word says, in the last days, perilous times will increase. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be stuff that stresses you out of your mind, and you're not going to know where to stand and what who's right and who's wrong, and things are going to go crazy. It says it's going to get so bad. If possible, even those who love God with all their heart are going to fall away because there's going to be this really rough day. But remember something. It's going to get worse before it gets better, but it's going to get Oh, you're not with me yet. It's going to get worse before it gets better, but it's going to get And that's what he has to tell them. He says, look, you're not going to like the next few months of your life. You're not going to like the next couple of years of your life, but it's going to get better if you just stay the course. This is so important. So let's look at these deeply spiritual verses. I know you're going to shout me down when I read Daniel chapter 11, verse number two. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Now then, I tell you the truth. Three more kings. Now, Now behave yourself. I know this is getting radical. Three more kings will arise in Persia, then a fourth. Nobody's shouting yet. The fourth will be far richer than all the others. And when he has gained his power by his wealth, he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. What a powerful, encouraging scripture. How many of you are looking at it like, what does that even mean? It's the way I looked at it. It's the way I've always looked at Daniel chapter 11. Well, listen, what the angel really is telling Daniel here in this, to put it into perspective, he says, look, the kingdom that you've always lived in is about to be gone. The world as you know it is changing all around you, and it's about to change forever. He says, as a matter of fact, your kingdom that you've served, the one that you've been a ruler in, second in command, is about to be wiped off the earth. We're going to send the people back to Israel. But listen, here's what's going to happen. Verse number three. Then a mighty king will arise who will rule with great power and do as he pleases. Kind of like most of them do anyways. And after he has arisen, his empire will be broken and parceled out toward the what? Four winds of heaven. It will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised, because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. Man, what an encouraging scripture. Nobody's shouting. shouting. If you just know the truth that's in this story, you're going to find some great, great truth that you need to find right here. Watch this. Here's what he says. He says, hey, I'm going to give you the most detailed prophecies so that you can take these prophecies, line them up with history, and when on the other side of this, you're going to be able to realize God's word's true. And Daniel chapter 11 is the most accurate scripture about lining up with history. Secular history lines up with Daniel chapter 11 more than any other scripture does, He says, "Here's what's going to happen: the kingdom of Persia is going to lose its dominance, and it's going to be overtaken by a great power that has something to do with Greece. And this power that has something to do with Greece, he's going to take over, and he's going to rule with great opulence, and he's going to rule with this great network of people. As a matter of fact, we call his name. We call it great. His name is what? Alexander the Great." There's this great king from Greece coming, and and, and he's going to rule. He's Alexander the Great. But the, the problem is this. Alexander the Great dies at 32 years of age with no heir apparent. 32 years of age, he dies, and the kingdom that he has built must be split up. Watch this now. What I'm trying to tell you is the Bible lays it out historically accurate. Here's exactly what's going to happen. There's a great truth in that because let me just go ahead and tell you, when the Bible says it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and it says that Jesus is going to come again, and you can mark it down, you can write it down. It's going to get worse, but then it's going to get a whole lot better. But Watch this. There's no error. So what happens to Alexander the Great's kingdom? How many wins did it say? Four. Four. And the four kingdoms of Alexander the Great's kingdom were split among his four ruling generals. Now what does this have to do with the book of Daniel? Well in the book of Daniel we're told that, that, that there's going to be four of them and two of them get real important to the Israeli people, the Jewish people. Watch this. One, they're going to call the king of the north, and he's going to take over Syria. And his name is uh, Seculus. And Seculus takes over Syria. And then there's going to be another that's the king of the south. And he is going to take over Egypt. And his name is Ptolemy. Anybody feeling God in this yet? Not yet. Stay with me. Ptolemy's going to take over Egypt. And then, watch this now. And then Seculus is going to take over Syria. Now, if that's the king of the north, and he says, by the way, remember the people of God are already back in the land that God has promised them, they're already back in Israel, but what is the connection point between Syria and Egypt? Israel. You have Syria up here, Egypt down here, and there's this land mass that goes through the middle of the two, and it's called Israel. It's the promised land. It's where the people of God are, and it has a very significant uh, place in history. And he says, here's what's going to happen. They're going to split Alexander the Great's kingdom up into four. Ptolemy's going to take the southern, Seculus is going to take the northern, and they're going to have this battle between them to see who's going to control the land of God. There's going to be, watch this, listen to me carefully, two key ruling parties. Let me just say it this way there's going to be Democrats and Republicans. Oh, maybe I just need to back that up. There's going to be two power struggles going on between these two great parties, and they're going to look for you to decide which one you're going to align with. Are you going to align with the north? Or are you going to align with the south? Where are you going to stand in the whole picture of the moment? Suddenly, it just got really, really significant for our day to day, Because here's the problem. He says, I didn't place you in the land of promise. I didn't place you in the position I put you in so that you could align with either of those parties. I didn't place you so you could serve either of those kings because I placed you, watch this, in the crossroads of the world. If you wanted to control the economic power of that time, you controlled the Megiddo Valley, Armageddon. You can go up on the tail there and look why 22 major powers of the earth all fought over Armageddon and why they're going to fight over it again someday because it's the way you get the wealth of the Nile up into Mesopotamia and it's the way you plunder Mesopotamia and get it back down to the Nile. There's this area there that they have to go through called Megiddo. And I feel God in what I'm telling you. And he said, listen, I have placed you in the crossroads of the world, in the crossroads of time to do something. I made you my people of promise. I made you a people of blessing and I told you I would bless you so that you could be a blessing. And I'm putting you in the crossroads of the world because I gave you something the rest of the world doesn't know about. He said, it went all the way back to the garden of Eden when Satan thought he had won and God's prophecy came and said, these words, are you ready for this? He said, you may have bruised his heel, but the day is coming when he's going to crush your head. In other words, he gave the people of God, the message, a Messiah, a King, a reigning one would come. He gave them the message of the soon coming King Jesus. And he said, I'm going to Put you in the middle of the world. Don't side with either one of the kings. Don't align yourself with either ruling power of the earth because the ruling powers of the earth will rise and fall and they will be changed. He said, but I have placed you. My goodness, I feel God in what I'm trying to tell you. Pastor Don, why are you yelling? It's because I behaved the first two services and I can't hold it in anymore listen to me. He said, I have placed you in the middle of the world at that crossroads at this time and space that says, stop allowing the negative narrative of who you're going to align yourself to be the position that you choose. He says, you have a greater message. You have a greater hope. You have a greater truth. And it's the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. He said, stop using your platform to try to say, well, I like what this one does and I don't like what this one does. And I'm not sure which one I feel more comfortable with and start making your decision to say, you know what? I don't know what every one of them are going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. God didn't call me to be political. He called me to be prophetic. And I'm going to declare that Jesus Christ is the answer for the hour. Now, Pastor Don, are you telling me I shouldn't make sides in a political environment? I will tell you one thing. If you want to stay angry, then just keep going like you're going. Do any of you have those friends that are angry right now? Anybody? Some of you are like, friends, it's me. (laughs) Listen to me. I have friends that are angry, but I have one or two that are just clueless. You have any clueless friends? Some of you are looking around going, is he talking about me? (laughs) I don't know. They're just clueless. They're just over there. I'm like, how are you enjoying your life? I'm about to pull what little hair I have out. Come on now. But watch this. Then I have people who are at peace because they realize something. God didn't place them here to fight over issues of this earth. He has placed us here over one truth, and that there is a king. Of his kingdom there shall be no end, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders. You shall call him Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. There is one message that we have been placed at the crossroads of time for, and it's to present Jesus, not to present our position. Because here's what's going to happen, he says to them. He says, if you focus on your position, you're going to lose who you are in the position. It's like when you meet somebody and they say, you say, hey, how are you? I'm Don, and they start telling you, well, I'm, I'm so-and-so, and this is what I do. What you do it doesn't determine who you are. It's just showing me your position because it's showing me you don't really know who you are yet. Now, listen, I don't know why I failed to share this with you. It wasn't in my notes, but when I went to D.C. back in the spring, and I was being ushered in, to speak there in the chapel area and pray and lead the communion service of our capital. There's three gates you go through. I'm sure there are many others, but there are three main gates you go through. One, they take you underground. I'm convinced they x-ray you and all kind of crazy things. And, and, uh, and then there's the one the senators and congressmen go through. And then just below that one, there's one that's reserved for ambassadors of other kingdoms. I'm like walking through this gate, and I'm like, why are they going that way? We're going this way. And they said, look at your badge. And I'm going as an ambassador of another kingdom. I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Sermon (laughs) illustration number one. (laughs) Because I am not walking into there a... Democrat or Republican or Independent or a Libertarian or something of this earth. I am walking into there a royal priesthood, a people zealous (laughs) of good works, representing a heavenly kingdom. Why is that important? Because watch this. He said if your position determines who you are, you will lose who you are because the very first thing that happened to them was they lost their identity. They had a crisis of identity. They didn't know how to serve God in the wrong environment listen to me. They were like, we don't know who we should align with. We don't agree with this one, but we don't agree with it. Let me just tell you, there's a couple of things in your life that are not as important as you think they are. There's one area of my life, and this may make some people mad, some watching may not like what I'm about to say, but I'm okay with that. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say very carefully. There's an area of my life that's majorly important, and that's my stand. That This is a hill I'll die on right here. I'll die on this hill that I believe in the sanctity of human life that it begins at conception. I believe. That, so I believe it with all the sinning. But that's not the position that I have to lead with. I bowed my knee at Calvary and I gave my rights to him. And he's placed me in this hour. Not to take a position that leads the way, They will determine what my actions are, but he's placed me in this hour to take a message that will change the need of the hour. What happened in the Hebrides revival when they preached Jesus without him being compromised? Do you know what happened? they shut down all the secular bars and dance halls and all the strip clubs. They shut them all down and turned them into churches. Why? Because the power of God invaded a community. Instead of ranting and raving against why each other are wrong, why don't we stand up and tell them about the one who was good? Because there is no candidate that's good. There is no party that's right. There is none that are good according to Jesus, unless you want to call him a liar, because he said there's none good but the heavenly father. And the only one that's good is the heavenly father. And so why don't I just present to you the one who is good? Because the one who is good is the one that can heal our land and he can shut down the strip clubs and he can close all the things. As a matter of fact, if we get Jesus in our environment, we wouldn't need two parties or three parties because instead of trying to battle each other, we'd get on our knees before God and watch God do what he wants to in our land. That's what could happen if the people of God take their position at the crossroads. Pastor Don, are you telling me I shouldn't post what I'm posting? If it's causing pain and division, you should not. But if it's presenting the hope of Jesus. You need to catch up and do more. I'm maybe going, Pastor Don, you don't know what I'm going through. Listen to me. Sometimes God, God delivers from, but also sometimes he delivers through. He says things are going to get bad, but hang on. They're going to get better if you just keep honoring God. Here's the other thing that happened. They lost not only their identity, they lost their faith. You see, the Jewish people, their whole faith was tied up in the very first act that happens to them after, uh, of their religious experience after their birth, and that they take the sons and they are circumcised. So when they align with Ptolemy, he kills a bunch of them. So one of the other, the other kings says, he says, hey, well, I'll let you be allegiant to me, but you've got to show me how much you're on my side. So I tell you what, you've got to stop uh, circumcising your children. If you want to side with me, you're going to have to stop practicing your faith. And you know what they said? Okay. You see, they lost their identity, and then they gave up their faith because they were trying to decide which ruling power of the earth they wanted to stand with. That's not the way life should be for Christians. If I have to lay down my faith for any action, there's a problem. My faith has to determine everything I do. And so I have to make my stand on my faith. And my faith tells me I've been placed in this hour to present Jesus. Simply, that's my greatest, greatest requirement. Faith is all you have in your rough days. I'll never forget a moment in my life. I walk into Emory Hospital. I'm in a waiting room at Emory Hospital. I've been in this waiting room many times. I've written uh, books about, chapters and books about this waiting room. But as I walk in this waiting room, there's... A group of people sitting here, that's a family that are bitter and they're broken and they're angry at a group of of men sitting here. And these men are bitter and broken and angry at this family sitting here. As a matter of fact, this is how they greeted me. They said, now before you come in that waiting room, you need to understand something. This group of men have announced... That there's going to be a mess if anybody mentions the name of Jesus in that waiting room. I was like, and you want me to come in? (laughs) You can't say Jesus. I said, okay, I can handle that. So I walk into the room. Families over here, men are over here. Broken family over here, men over here. Let us not forget that through those doors, a man dying with AIDS. And there's just a couple of seats on each side, but there's one in the middle. So guess what seat I took? The middle. The middle seat. And I'm sitting there, and 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 I'm just they're asking me questions from the family and the other people. I'm being kind. I'm just talking to the the, the group of men there, and, and and these men are angry at this way, and this family's angry at this way. And I'm trying to filter these two together. It's what you do sometimes as a pastor, and and then finally I'm just talking with these men, and and these men are lost. They don't know Jesus, and and they need Jesus, and and so they're they're looking at me, and they're they're like, uh, uh, so what do you do for a living? I said I'm an author. What kind of books do you write? Inspirational. Okay. Well, well, they talk a few minutes. Somebody asked me something. They said, Why do you go all over the world? I said, Well, we do humanitarian work all over the world. We feed children, we rescue children, we, we take care of senior citizens in India. I mean, all these crazy things we do all over the world. And we do humanitarian work. Like, That's awesome. That's awesome. So we sit there a little bit longer, and somebody says, You know, I heard you say such and such. And they go, well, What are they talking about? And I said, Well, I'm a, I'm a motivational speaker. And they're like, motivational speaker? I'm like, yeah, I motivate people to Jesus, what I'm wanting to say, you know. But I'm a motivational speaker. And they're like, that's awesome. And so finally, they're just kind of looking at me like, you do all that, what do you really do? After about an hour, I looked at them and said, I'm a pastor. And those men who had said they would assault and attack anyone who said the name of Jesus knowing that there's no reason I'm supposed to be sitting beside them because of what they've been told by preconceived eras and eras, said to me, would you come into that room with us and pray for him and tell us about Jesus? And so I took this group of homosexual men who felt like everybody in the world hated them, and I walked them lovingly, into that hospital room. I gathered hands with all of them and then I reached out and took the hand of the man dying on the bed. The man dying on the bed with AIDS was my uncle and I took him and took his hand. I took their hand and I ministered to them the love of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what would not have happened if I led with a position? That. If I led with Pastor or you're wrong, that could have never happened. And see, that's where we have to learn. There are things that are right and wrong in this world that we live in, but we cannot take the position of telling everybody else how wrong they are because we have a greater message. And the message we have is summed up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you see what happened was this. They lost their identity, they lost their faith, and then they lost their hope because they gave up hope because when they didn't know who they were and they didn't know what they believed in, they forgot that the king was coming. Aaron, if you'd come and play something. The song he's going to play is something we sing today. The songs of hope have kind of left the church in some ways. And what I mean by that is not that our songs are not beautiful and, are, and, and powerful, and I felt the Holy Spirit, but but even before I came in this morning, I, I, I was singing some old songs. of. Uh, uh, I was singing, Lord, I've never been this homesick before. I was thinking about the songs of old. But in the 1930s, when they were just really starting to sing with music in churches, and they were in the, that depression era that, 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 that the whole world was still trying to recover from this depression era, they would sing this song, I'll fly away, O glory. Some glad morning, they would sing, he plays it for me, look at there. They would sing these songs that said, just a few more weary days until then. Oh, when we all get over yonder, what a day of rejoicing it will be. They would, when the saints go marching in, when all of these songs that said where we are is tough, but where we're going is better. Do you know what's happened to us? We've lost our identity. We've lost our message of faith because we've gotten a little too comfortable in the world. We're not worried about getting somewhere better because where we are is pretty great. We like where we live. We like what we do. We like our friends. We like our country. We like where we're at. Why do I need to go somewhere better? out the whole world's not like that, folks. And I think it's all about perspective because we think, oh man, my, wor- my world's horrible, Pastor. Not, not really. You know what really shook me one day? I had been, been ministering and I, I saw a couch in like the, the gutters of, 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 of India. And there were children sleeping on the couch in the streets just waiting for their next sexual assault. And this had so shaken me. We support orphanages there. We support ways to get them off those streets. And it had so shaken me that I, I came back here and I was processing it. And, and I don't mean anything. I mean, I've got little horses. I love my animals. And so I don't mean anything critical about what I'm about to say here. But, but listen to what I'm about to say. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting at a red light right here at 400 and an air-conditioned llama trailer pulls up next to me. I'm like, an air-conditioned llama trailer? Don't, don't, you can air-condition your llama trailer all you want. But I thought those children are being assaulted and, and it just rushed into my world. And I thought, well, maybe things are not as great as we think they are in our world. But no, 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 pastor, you don't understand. We live in the land of the blessed and free. Did you realize that if you have quarters in your change cup holder in your car, that you're in the top 2% of the wealth of the world? People are selling their souls for a meal. because there seems to be no hope but this is our hour this is our crossroads and how dare we fight about political parties the world needs to know Jesus because he is the hope have we lost the hope that some glad morning the dead in Christ shall rise there is no grave that's going to hold us back we are the redeemed of the Lord. Folks, if your faith's in a political party and a vote, it's going to get worse before it gets better, trust me. Pastor Don, well, who should we vote for? I've already cast my vote. His name is Jesus. I will make my earthly votes based on the things that I cannot be budged on but I will present myself as an ambassador of Christ in a lost and darkened world because men and women and kingdoms and powers will come and go. But this is the truth as you stand with me. God sees you, he hears you, he knows you, and he loves you. That's what I wanna, that's a hill that I, I don't have to die on that hill because I already have. I gave him my life in the middle of a road wanting to die because I felt like nobody loved me and everybody I knew had turned their face and spit at me in stores. I fell onto a road begging to die and somebody showed me the love of Jesus Christ. And I said, God, when I got up from that road, I said, God, I'll spend the rest of my life telling people Jesus loves them. There is no greater place. There is no greater platform than this day in your life. Bow your heads with me in this place. Here's the problem. Some of you had a little hard time worshiping because you've been angry all week. You're mad at the world. You're mad at the news. You're mad at the parties. You're mad at the candidates. You're mad at everybody who doesn't agree with you. And God's wanting to let you be released from that anger so that he can heal your heart. God's wanting to change who you are. Things have bound you. Things have overwhelmed you. Things have tried to pull you back. And God's wanting to heal you right where you are. And some of you need to hear this simple message of all. That Jesus Christ is the answer. And you'll never be able to show him as the answer to the world. Until you accept him as the answer for your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed nobody looking around I want to ask you a couple questions if you're here today and you say Pastor Don I've been standing in a wrong position I've been arguing stuff that really doesn't matter it's not focused on the kingdom of heaven and I want God to help me realign myself to the position he's given me for this hour if that's you I want to see your hand right where you are would you just hold it up high thank you hands literally all over this place thank you thank you for those down I didn't embarrass anybody that raised their hand right there and I'm not going to embarrass you maybe you'd say Pastor Don I've had a hard time accepting the love of God into my life because I don't feel worthy I feel like I've taken too many wrong positions maybe you feel like those men that, that I had to minister to because you feel like the whole church would be against you if they all just knew who you really were but today you don't come to a man you come to Jesus he wants to change your life There's not anything in this world I cannot give you 15 prayers to recite. I cannot give you penance to pay. Jesus has already paid the price for you. And you would say today, today I truly want to take the right position and that's by accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to embarrass you, but I want to pray with you right where you are. If that's you, I want to see your hand right where you are. Today, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Where are you? Would you hold your hand up high if I'm looking for you? I'm looking from one side of this building to the other. This is your moment. Thank you. Are there others? Thank you. Are there others? God's changing lives today. This is it. This is the moment. This is the time. Are right, you can all put those hands down. I'm going to pray for you. Here's what the Bible says, that those who have been in the wrong position, when you confess that, that God gives you a new position. We believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Our faith is not in man, our faith is in Jesus. It's that simple. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask this entire congregation to join with these who have prayed this prayer or are about to pray this prayer today as we confess Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And they're going to change their position right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, pray with me now. Lift your voices. Jesus, by faith, I confess I have been in the wrong position. Forgive me of my sins. And now I believe the grace of God washes me clean. Everything I've done, the good things and the bad things, I give them to you. I repent of my sins, and by faith, come on, help me, by faith, I receive my salvation. His name is Jesus. From this moment forward, I declare, God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for the many that have prayed that prayer with us today. Lord, for those that are watching online, Lord, I thank you for how you're ministering to them yet even now, those maybe you're listening or watching uh, in, other, in other formats. Father, I thank you that lives are being touched. And now I ask you, God, that you will help us to assume the right position at the crossroads of faith for our nation and be the voices that declare there is no greater position than to stand with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
0: today's word from pastor Don allen to help you get real with god fall in love with him all over again and live out your destiny now to learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at war hill join us online at warhill.com then join us in worship at one of our north georgia locations service times are sundays at 8 15 9 30 and 11 a.m where you will find real love now